Welcome to another broadcast of Hope for the Heart. My name is William Rogers, and I'm continuing my verse-by-verse study of the book of Revelation. So today we're going to return to the book of Revelation, chapter 20, in which we have already begun giving several different messages. I would invite you to turn there, if you will, and with your copy of God's Word, follow along as I read Revelation chapter 20, verses 6 and 7. Verse 6 reads, Blessed and holy is the one who has a part in the first resurrection. Over these, the second death has no power. But they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. And when the thousand years are completed, Satan will be released from his prison. And I want to stop right there. Last time I began talking to you about the fact that there is coming to this earth a tremendous change. And I think I said something like this. Can you? What would you do or what would you say if I told you there's coming to this world such a change that we could describe it as a place where righteousness and goodness dominate? A world where there's absolutely no injustice. A world where everybody is treated fairly. A world where no court ever renders an unjust verdict. Is that a... Would that be hard to do? Could you imagine a world like that? Would you believe it if I told you our world is actually headed in that direction? What if I were to tell you that everything in this place that we're headed, this world that we're headed, is true and right and everything is noble? Wow. Every area of life and society and commerce and education Everything else is under complete control and directed towards what is right. And then what if I were to tell you that in this world there will be a total and lasting and enforced peace where joy actually abounds and where health is widespread and where people live for hundreds of years. You remember me talking about that? Well, I want to bring that up again because it is a kind of world that we can't imagine, but it's the world that is being described for us in the book of Revelation, uh, at least partially described in the Revelation. From many other verses, they're in uh, other places of the Old Testament. But for many of us, we, we just can't understand that kind of a world. In fact, if, if those things that I just said are going to be true of the coming world or this coming kingdom, Think how much this world would have to change. Boy, there would have to just be a total cleanup of all politicians. How could you have politicians when everything uh, is absolutely, there's no injustice, a world where everybody is treated fairly, or a world where no court ever renders an unjust or undeserved verdict? Wow, how much would this earth would have to change? But then along with that comes this. The kingdom, as we understand it, according to the scriptures, uh, well, let me put it to you this way. Last time I gave you a what is what was a very clear preview of the kingdom found by looking at the Mount of Transfiguration. That is, when Jesus took Peter, James, and John to the top of the mountain and literally changed right in front of them. It became the glorified Christ, King of kings, Lord of lords in which he was transfigured right before them, and he was transformed. His face shone like the sun. There was the glory of God really shining in the face of Jesus. 
His garments became his brilliant, dazzling light. And then there was Moses and Elijah appeared to, to him talking. And I said that was a preview of the kingdom. But let me tell you another thing about the kingdom. The kingdom is actually a preview of heaven. It is actually a preview of heaven. Think about this. There's going to be a lot of differences, of course, between the heaven that we're going to see in Revelation 21 and this kingdom as being equivalent to heaven. There's some differences. For example, I've told you about the fact that there will be human flesh born and walking on the earth at the same time that there's spiritual bodies walking. That's what Revelation chapter 20 verse 4 says. That there's thrones and they're good. The, the, the saints of all times are going to be there on these thrones, ruling people, helping to enforce God's perfect law. And if all that's true, then boy, this, this place has really got to, to, to either shape up or there's, it's not going to happen. And so when we look at this, it becomes quite an interesting place to see. So how does all of this actually happen? If this is all going to be like this, then it, 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 we don't have to imagine that world. We can read about that world when we look at the kingdom. But yet there's some distinct differences, and I, I, I don't have time to go into all the differences between heaven and the kingdom. But for us that are going to be saved, or that are saved now, or that will be saved, that are going to be ruling and uh, ruling with Christ for this kingdom age length of time of a thousand years, it's going to be like heaven, except that we won't have all of these sinners around us. We won't have all of this evil flesh around us. So in a lot of ways, it will be like heaven. In fact, Jesus isn't going to change from the kingdom to heaven. We're not going to change. We're going to have the same bodies going from the kingdom into heaven. What will change is there will be no unbelievers in heaven. And there will be no more Satan. There will be no more demons. So in those looks, there will be big differences. So think about the kingdom as a preview of heaven. And perhaps that will help you. So when I say, will heaven be boring by my title today, I'm talking about not just heaven, but I'm talking about earth. I'm talking about the kingdom age because for us, that's when heaven starts. It starts right there where we can begin with our spiritual glorified bodies working with Christ to rule and to govern this earth. And so when I say, imagine this, or can you think about a world where this and that are going to be or where, where truth always wins and always prevails and where uh, absolutely no injustice, a world where everybody's treated fairly, well, guess what? We are the spiritual agents by which that is going to uh, help bring that about. It's not the sinners who are going to bring that about. It's the spiritual people reigning with Christ. That's what verse 4 is about. I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, that's all saints of all times. <coughs> Judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of those who have been beheaded because of the testimony of Jesus, because of the word of God. That's verse, I'm reading out of verse 4 of Revelation 20. And those who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received the mark upon their forehead and upon their hand, they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. 
So not only is this all the Old Testament saints, all the time of Christ saints, all those of the church age saints, all those taken in the rapture, and now this is in verse four includes all those that have died and become or that became believers and died in the tribulation period, the great tribulation and the tribulation period. They're all going to be right there. And they come to life and reign with Christ. We reign with him. We rule and govern with him. And that's what is going to make it amazingly like heaven. Is we're going to be working out and accomplishing the perfect will of God in everything. And so as today, as we look at this, I want to, to get a little bit further into this and talk about this. I don't know how, how interesting this is to other people or not. It's not, that's not my concern. My concern is this is the Word of God. And I'm teaching God's Word and I'm teaching it as we come to it. And I'm accomplishing a, a progressive movement all the way through the book. We've looked at this. Uh, we've looked at the, the, the sequence in Revelation that began in chapter 1. And we come all the way down to chapter 19, the return of Jesus Christ as he comes back to earth, destroys the armies of the world and all unbelievers. We saw that in Revelation chapter 19. And then comes chapter 20. He sets up his kingdom. His kingdom is described in chapter 20 down through verse 10. Only 10 verses. And yet at the end of his kingdom, there is a final judgment called the judgment of the, the great white throne judgment. That's the end of chapter 20. And then in chapter 21 and chapter 22, we have the eternal new heaven and new earth. And that is going to be what we call the final state in which the redeemed will live forever. So all of this is the preview to that. All of the kingdom is the preview to that. You may not understand and use the word kingdom in your vocabulary, but you use heaven. And so you can look at this as the beginning of heaven for believers. So this is a sweeping prophetic panorama taking us from the present age, the age of the church through the time of the great judgment, the coming of Christ, the establishment of his kingdom, and then into the eternal state. That's what chapter 19 through 22 is about. So in the flow of the chronology of the book of Revelation, we come now to just chapter 20. In fact, I'm going to be stuck on chapter 20 for a little while. And find ourselves learning about the period of the kingdom. It is a period of 1,000 years. It's the earth's 1,000-year time period left which redemption can actually happen. Think about that. A term for a 1,000 years is used several times in Revelation chapter 20. So this is the thousand-year period in which Christ will reign over a restored earth. Remember, the earth is pretty much wiped out during the tribulation period. In the universe, as we've been saying, this marvelous kingdom is not just introduced here in chapter 20. It is, in fact, a further definement of the kingdom because we find it all through the Bible. It was introduced among the prophets of the Old Testament. They spoke about it. We saw Jesus himself, himself speak about it. In fact, the disciples were so much aware of the kingdom. They were so awaiting the kingdom that when we come over to Acts and we look at Acts chapter 1, uh, after the ascension, I mean, after he's uh, been raised from the dead and walking about this earth, uh, it, it says in Acts chapter 1, until the day he was taken up after he had been the Holy Spirit given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen, to these he also presented himself alive, this is after the resurrection, 
after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things, listen to this, concerning the kingdom of God. How about that? So they were very much involved in the kingdom as far as teaching and understanding. They had an understanding. And gathering these disciples together in Acts chapter 1, I'm continuing in verse 4, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised. And then look at verse 6 of Acts chapter 1. And so when they had come together, it says here they were asking, but you take the original language, it says this, they kept on asking. They were bugging him. About what? It says it right here in verse 6 of Acts chapter 1. Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? What is he talking about? What are they talking about? They're talking about this literal kingdom that is still yet to come. Acts has several places it talks about the kingdom. This is just one of them. But listen to what Jesus said in verse 7 of Acts chapter 1. He said to them, It's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has fixed upon his own authority. Now, Jesus didn't say, Look, guys, I've tried to tell you before, you are hard-headed, you can't get it, but there's not going to be a kingdom. There is no kingdom coming. He could have straightened them out. But he said, You shall receive power, because they knew that equated with the kingdom. When uh, has, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. And then it says, after he had said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on him and a cloud received him out of their sight. They were absolutely amazed at this. But he's talking about the kingdom. And so we see this is a time period that has been defined for us. It's not introduced to us in Revelation. It is further defined. Because nowhere in the New Testament is there a more clearer, more unmistakably present a presentation of the kingdom than right here in Revelation chapter 20. We see it clearly. And here we have a framework, a sort of skeleton, on which we can hang all the other prophecies about the kingdom. This sort of gives us the structure. And then when we go to other passages like Isaiah, Jeremiah, or Ezekiel, uh, we, we can take those verses and hang them here, and you can begin to get a full picture of what the kingdom is actually going to be. And I hope to do some of that today. Because there is so much out there, but I'm torn every week. How far do I go with the kingdom? How much do I give the people on the kingdom? Do I give them all the intricacies of it, all the little details of it? And folks, you would be amazed at how much detail we have concerning the kingdom. In fact, let me just give you just just a sampling on this. Do you understand or do you realize that after Jesus comes, there's going to be an interval period of 75 days between the end of, 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 of really what we would say the end of Revelation, but it's not the end of Revelation. It's, it's when Christ comes, but in a 75 day that he's going to have before the kingdom is actually initiated. It's going to be like a transition time 
of 75 days. But in the kingdom, the Bible is very specific to give us from the Psalms, from Isaiah, from Micah, several different places where we see general characteristics of the Messianic kingdom. And those come from, from so many different places. For example, here are some of the details. We can find that the government of the kingdom is actually going to be laid out for us. It's going to show us how the king, Jesus, will be the rule over all. There's going to be the establishment of his throne and the character of his reign is actually given. And then there's going to be two branches of government. Two. And listen to this in case you are just interested in any way about some of the some of the things about the kingdom. Remember I said the kingdom is a preview of heaven. There's going to be a Gentile branch of the government and there's going to be a Jewish branch of the government. Really? I remember the first time I read all this, I thought, wow, this is amazing. How come nobody talks about this? Well, one reason I think nobody talks about it is that they tend to lose the audience. I'm sure I've lost a lot of listeners because I'm talking so much about the kingdom. But there's going to, there's, the, the scriptures talk about this uh, Jewish side and the, the Gentile side. And then it talks about Israel in the kingdom. What role are they going to play? What is the, uh, how does it talk about the regeneration of Israel, the regathering of Israel, the possession of the land, or the reestablishment of the Davidic throne? And then we're going to see so many other characteristics. We're even going to see a look at the, there's going to be a temple that's going to be built during the millennium. A new temple, another one. And so that is going to be an interesting characteristic. There are going to be so many things that we can see here, so I have to weigh it carefully as to what I can give you and what I cannot give you. So as we look at these opening verses of Revelation chapter 20, I think I told you last time, there's really only four sections here. Let me just give them to you real quick. Let me just break them down for you, just so you can know. know. There's really four parts. It makes for an easy four-part outline. Number one, you see in verses 1 through 3 of Revelation chapter 20. Uh, I just want to show you how, how simple this is. Revelation, one through, uh, Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 through 3, you see uh, Satan is removed. That's how you begin the kingdom. And then in verses 4 through 6, the next two verses, you find the saints reigning, all saints of all time, even those saved during the Great Tribulation period. And then verses 7 through 9, you find Satan will be released. So you find Satan is removed or, or put in bonds. Satan is, uh, or the saints reign. And then you find Satan released from his prison is exactly what it says in Revelation 20. Verse 7, and when the thousand years are completed, Satan will be released from his prison. <coughs> Excuse me. And then the, the fourth section is I'm calling it Satan's Reckoning. Verse 10 of chapter 20, uh, the Satan will be cast into the eternal damnation and judgment there, along with the false prophet. And so they will be tormented day and night forever and ever removed totally and then there's a judgment and then there will be the new heaven and the new earth of Revelation chapter 21 so when we talk about this kingdom those are the kind of things we're talking about 
We're talking about these four sections here in, in Revelation chapter 20 that uh, are easily defined for us. They're easily laid out for us, but they're not giving us all the details. In fact, when it says Satan is removed, we do we understand really what the character or nature of that actually is when we look at that? Uh, he will be removed. One of the first things we're able to learn about the kingdom, of course, is that Satan is not going to be around. Well, how's that going to affect the earth? Well, we talked about that. The one who is the God of this world, the God of this age, is not going to be there anymore. That gives us great insight into uh, what I think is the character of, 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 of this kingdom. And that's in one way, it's going to be kind of like heaven. Now, there will still be flesh and blood that has the sin nature, but it's going to be different here. Uh, and then you look at the, 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 the next part of that, which would be the reign of the saints. Satan being removed is going to have an immense impact on the character of the life in the kingdom. No longer will he be the God of this age. Who is? Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords. He will be the prince of the world. He will, Satan will not be. He will be completely out of the picture. So we saw in verses 1 through 3 this immense impact on the nature of during this time of life on earth for the flesh, not for us. I'm not talking about us in spiritual bodies. I'm talking about those that have come into the kingdom from the tribulation period. Remember now, all the people that come into the tribulation from the tribulation period are all believers. All unbelievers have been killed by the tribulation period, by Christ Himself. And so when it says in in verse uh, 4 through 6, the reign of the saints, and we've talked about that. I don't, I don't want to get back into that again. But we've talked about the. it's all the saints of all times is a part of the... In fact, in, in, in verse 6 there, it says that they are part of the first resurrection, uh, and the second death has no power over them. And we said the, the power is that second death is the eternal damnation, the lake of fire. It can't touch those of the first resurrection. Basically, the first resurrection is the for believers. The second resurrection is for unbelievers. Very simply laid out for us when we understand it that way. And we can begin to understand it that way. But then you come into verse 7. And folks, verse 7, I will admit, is a very confusing verse for me. We come to this third point in the outline. First point was Satan removed. The second point is Satan's or saints reign. The third point is Satan is released. And you come to this third point and you have to ask, why would God release Satan? Well, that's more evident, I think, if, if, if I can give it to you, when you understand that when the tribute when the kingdom starts, there will be all believers in there, all Christians. Now, many of the, well, all the Christians, all the Christians coming in, I'm talking about not the, not the believers in spiritual bodies. I'm talking about live, individual, flesh and blood is going to walk straight from the, king, from the tribulation period. They're going to go right through that interval, 75-day period, and they're going to come right into the kingdom. All people on the earth will be believers. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? 
But you go into this and you say, well, why is Satan released? He can't touch the believers. Well, he can. But God is going to release him. In fact, we're, we're going to, I'll mention this right here because we're going to come back to it. Uh, it says in verse 8, he will come out to deceive. That's why he's released. It says to deceive the nations which are in the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together for the war. What war? Well, we're going to take a look at that. We're going to see what war it's talking about. But he is going to be released. And that means this. And the reason is that he's, he's, he can do this is, is no unsaved people will enter the kingdom. It appears if you take all the prophecies with regard to the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord is exhaustive against the wicked and all of them die. All that means is the only people going into the kingdom are the people who are believers. I've mentioned that several different ways, that I, and I don't know how to mention it any other way. Jews with whom the Lord has spared, and you know that he's not going, he, I mean, that he's going to do that. The rest of Israel will be saved. All of them are going directly into the kingdom as believers. They've all been saved. Romans 12 tells us how he hides them in his wilderness so that the Antichrist can't destroy them. Uh, that's Revelation chapter 12. And then Gentiles who have come to faith in the, in the true Savior, the Lord Jesus, who escaped the, the Antichrist and the rest of the judgments are going into the, the kingdom in physical bodies just like they have right now. There will be no different than us other than we will have spiritual bodies. They're going to the kingdom in their normal physical form. All the ungodly, as I said, have been destroyed. And so all you have in the kingdom then are believers. Those with spiritual bodies and those with physical bodies. Isn't that interesting? We're going to be living side by side. How's that going to work? I do not know. And I can honestly say I do not know how that's going to work. But it's going to work. So, when they go into the kingdom, all the ungodly will not go into the kingdom. All you have are the godly and those who belong to the Lord. If you need a word from that in the scripture, you might listen to Isaiah chapter 60 verse 21. It says this, Then all your people will be righteous. They will possess the land forever. What's that talking about? Well, it's talking about the kingdom. He's talking about the kingdom. It is only the righteous who go into the kingdom. Verse 21 of chapter 19. Uh, after the, the slaughter of Armageddon, it says the rest were killed with the sword, and that's all of them. There is nothing in the scripture that says any unbeliever survives in the day of the Lord. You say, well then, when they go into the kingdom, well, they're going to have physical bodies. Well, guess what? They're going to have babies. They're going to have children. And sure, you remember the conditions are perfect. The world will be perfect. It will be more uh, Eden-like. There will be no Satan there. There will be no demons there. And the conditions on the earth are good. And they live long and they are very productive for a long time. But they produce, guess what? Guess what the unbelievers produce? They produce sinners. They produce children, babies that have sin natures. And because that's all we can produce, right? We can't produce a spiritual body. It's not possible. So even in the millennial conditions, there's going to be sinners born constantly, day by day. Dozens, hundreds, thousands, millions will be born. Because the fallen people of 
that are born to believers. See, when, when a believer, when, when a, a man and woman go into the kingdom that are both believers, they don't have believing babies. They have unbeliever babies. Now, I know that a lot of people today, I've, I've in fact just talked to someone two weeks ago. I asked them how long they've been a Christian. They said they were born that way. Well, no, they weren't. If they're true believers, they were not born that way. So their children are going to be sinners. They're going to need to be saved, just like children born today need to be saved. And amazingly, while many of them will come to faith in Christ, and many of them will believe, many will not believe. In a thousand years, there can be millions of people on the globe. A, a massive number will This will happen because... Uh, the, the rate of, of families and growth, population, explosion on the earth will be unbelievable. They are the ones that the Lord will judge, in some cases by killing them in the, in, the, in the kingdom, some cases by other kinds of swift judgment, because we know that judgment will happen quickly and swiftly, and in some cases by holding back rain so that they have to experience harsh living conditions, as we read earlier, they will love their sin. They will refuse His grace. They will refuse the lordship of the king of all the earth. And it's an amazing thing to think about. That people can know that Jesus Christ lives physically with His glorified body on earth. And you can actually go there and see Him. Though Jesus Christ, this is the way one writer puts it, though Jesus Christ reigns in a totally renewed universe, Though he has absolute power over everything and everyone, though it's a perfect world, his glorious perfections are manifested through his person and his will and through all of his glorified saints who carry out his will, even though everything is exactly the way it ought to be, everything is right, everything is peaceful, there aren't any wars, everybody's weapons have been poured into plowshares, everything is flourishing, all the economies of the world are doing very well, Everything is in prosperity on every front. Everything is bliss. Utopia has arrived. People will still reject Christ. Now, isn't that amazing? People will still reject Christ. That's why Satan will be released at the end of the thousand years. And it won't take long for him to muster up an army of people that are wanting and desirous of overthrowing God. That's what's going to happen. And it's important to make this reminder that people reject Christ because they love sin. They don't reject Christ because of Satan. They're rebellious sinners and they love their sin. And it really is not an issue what kind of world they're living in. I dare say there are people in society today, many of them, millions of them, who would choose this kind of a society or a worse kind of society over a society ruled by Jesus Christ. There's going to be people who hate the world because it's every, because of what I said at the, at the very front part of this. There's going to be people who do not want a world in which everything is, is ruled by righteousness or goodness. They don't want that. Can you imagine that world that we talked about, a world that's dominated by goodness and righteousness, a world where there's absolutely no injustice, a world where everybody's treated fairly, a world where no court ever renders an unjust or undeserved verdict? Can you imagine that same world that people would hate it because it has Jesus as the King of kings and Lord of lords? It might crimp their sinful lifestyle. 
that's why they hate it. But that's why Satan will be released. Folks, I am out of time. I wish I could go for I could just talk about the kingdom forever, I think. Till the kingdom. Who knows? But I know this. It's a great study. Hang with me. And thank you for joining me this week for another broadcast of Hope for the Heart.